Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcasts. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today I'm going to talk with David about the place of faith in everyday living. Is it a crutch or a useful tool? Without faith, it is impossible to move ahead. Hey David, it's Grandpa. Did you realize that everybody's life is faith-based, even yours? Yeah, it's true. I don't mean faith in Jesus. I simply mean faith in the rawest form of the word. Like, why do you flip the light switch in your room? Do you expect, have confidence, that the lights will come on? Why? Have you ever seen electricity? Have you inspected all the wiring in your apartment? Did you follow the transmission lines back to their beginning at the generating plant? Did you see the electrons being pushed ahead by the magneto? Do you even know what that is? My point is, you put nearly complete confidence in a process for which you have little, if any, tangible knowledge. You know that it works through experience. Repeated successes at turning on the lights allow you to act with complete confidence every time you reach for the switch. But you have very little hard evidence on which to base that confidence. We are wired, excuse the pun, to function efficiently on the basis of accepting unproven, to us, facets of life. Imagine how little anyone could accomplish if he were the sole source of his actionable information. We depend on the observations and experiences that human society as a whole contributes. We act on the confidence, faith, that these provide. What is faith? Is there any evidence involved in faith? I think some people define faith as choosing to accept something as true simply because they want to or because somebody they trust tells them it's so. For example, why did you believe in Santa Claus when you were a little guy? One of Webster's definitions is, quote, a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, end quote. The term no proof, as used here, does not imply or require blind acceptance. I would change the phrase to read, no tangible proof. The love and proven veracity of a person, say, your dad, is substantial, but it lacks tangible proof. You can't see love, just its actions. But it fosters trust, or faith, in that person. For example, I accepted as true many things my mother taught me 
because I knew her. She loved me and was always truthful in everything she said that could be tested tangibly. She passed the test. Therefore, I also learned to accept her untestable pronouncements as true. I could act upon them with confidence. I suspect it was the same for you with your mom and dad. You probably know people who look at faith as blind, wishful thinking. Without judging their motives for that conclusion, I disagree with it. You should too. As I use the term, faith implies trust, confidence, expectancy. It is tested belief. These are all rooted in experience and evidence, not in wishful thinking or desiring. Faith is not synonymous with wishful thinking, hope, desire, or choice. Let me illustrate this latter. I might choose to believe that the Seattle Mariners are going to win the World Series this year. Yay, Mariners! That's a choice that I could bet money on. But there's no guarantee that I would win. I wish for it. I hope it's true. But it's just wishful thinking. It's hopeful desire. But there's no expectation. There is no faith involved in this desire. Again, think of a time when you entrusted something to a friend. You probably had more confidence that your friend would treat your trust with respect than if he had been a mere casual acquaintance or even an enemy. There is something about the relationship that engenders trust. Have you ever loaned your car to a friend? Undoubtedly, you trusted him to return it to you in good shape. That was your expectation, maybe even your stated stipulation. But it was also something you expected on the basis of the person you entrusted it to. You knew him, therefore you trusted him. See what I'm saying? That's faith. That's what faith is and does. Have you ever had a person you trusted violate that trust? If so, I suspect that it eroded your confidence in that person a little. Without conversation and amends, you're not likely to trust as much to him again. What I'm saying, David, is this. Trust is earned by behavior and behavior is observed experientially. Trust is another way of saying you have faith in that person to behave properly. What it boils down to is this. Does that person present himself in such a way that I can trust him? How do I know I can trust him? I would drive myself crazy and shoot myself in the foot if I had to verify every little detail before entrusting anything to somebody. If I don't want to be ground to a halt in my relationships and interactions, I will learn from his actions to trust him. I will learn to have faith in him through his past behavior. Does he keep his promises or does he hedge? The answer tells me how much I can trust him, how much faith I can put in him. Does he regularly show up on time or is he habitually late? The answer tells me how much I can trust him to be punctual. Has he shown himself to be kind, generous, and forgiving under times of stress and irritability? Or does he lash out, 
That answer tells me how much I dare to trust him with my feelings, how much faith I have in him. Do you see a common thread in these? My faith in my interactions with another person, how much I will act on that trust, is undergirded by his proven character, by his past behavior. David, that's what faith in people does. It looks at experiences and past behavior and establishes patterns of expected behavior that allow us to have confidence in our choices. Is there any value in that? We've already shown one obvious value. I can use proven behavior to guarantee future behavior. I can act in faith rather than micromanagement. Wait, there's more. With the kind of confidence we're talking about, that is faith, I can make commitments. It removes fear from committing to a thing. Similar to that, faith enables me to act confidently. It frees me to perform without hesitation or doubt. For example, if I see you walking across the frozen pond and the ice doesn't groan, creak, or crack, I gain confidence that I can walk on it too. Here's another story about my friend Steve. He and I were partners in Indiana. We restored old houses to rent under Section 8 housing. One day while working on our property, we noticed that an elderly neighbor across the street had a large limb laying on his roof. It had fallen in a windstorm. So we grabbed a ladder and went over to help. Steve climbed up. While up there, he noticed, after moving the limb a bit, that there was a yellow jacket nest under the eave of the man's house. Steve was severely allergic to hornet stings, so he was in grave danger. When he moved the limb, the hive became irritated. Some hornets swarmed out looking for somebody to attack. As a beekeeper, I knew about bee behavior. I told him to stand absolutely still and remain calm. Steve had to fight against the natural instinct to scramble down the ladder as fast as he could. That would instantly attract the hornets. They would go forward toward the motion, and undoubtedly he would have been stung and suffered the severe allergic consequences. Consider the faith necessary to remain perfectly still. His natural instinct was to flee, but somebody that he knew had his best interest at heart and whom he knew had experience with bees told him to stand absolutely still. What was he going to do? The story had a great ending. Steve trusted me. He had faith in me. He stood absolutely still for about five minutes until the hive calmed down. Then he safely climbed down the ladder. David, that's faith-based living. That particular illustration had nothing to do with faith in God, but it illustrates what faith-based living, whether in God or in anyone else you trust, looks like. Steve listened to me and was safe. Can it be the same with faith in Jesus? I'll answer the question with another question. Is there any evidence in the life of Jesus that he told the truth? Is there any evidence that he has the power to lift my life to a better place? Is there any evidence that what he says is true and can therefore be trusted? 
It's in the answer to these questions that one undergirds his faith in Jesus. It's not in wishful thinking. It's not in, I hope, I hope, I hope. It's not because my preacher or parents told me so. It's because I have examined the evidence and have gained confidence that Jesus told the truth. I can trust that. So can you. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about the self-inflicting, society-crippling power of hatred and its cure. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a a joy-filled week. week.